look at God's Word. Uh, that's why we're here. We're here to focus on the Lord Jesus. And uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to John 13, or uh, you can uh, use the handout tonight. Um, I'm going to focus on uh, chapter 13, uh, verses 1 through 17, and I'm going to uh, focus in really uh, tightly, or try to, on uh, verses 12 through 16. And uh, uh, I want us to think um, deeply as God's people from the heart uh, about the question that uh, Jesus wants us to ask in verse 12. Notice in John 13, 12, he says, do you understand what I've done to you? I, I want you to meditate on that. Uh, this passage uh, from John 13 is, is really a, a picture in the Gospels of how Jesus summarized his ministry elsewhere, where he said that the Son of Man has not come into the world to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man didn't come into the world to be served, but to serve and to give his life, his blood, as a ransom for many, for his people. And so I want us to be thinking about the question, do you understand what I've done to you as we're meeting tonight together, as we uh, go to the Lord's table together? And I want to point out two things in the passage. The first is the condescension of the Lord Jesus. And the second is that um, the, 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 the great love of the Lord Jesus in his uh, compassion. I want to focus on the condescension of the Lord Jesus and his compassion. I, I want to look at those two things and then I want to follow with two pieces of application. Um, I want to uh, teach and, and show you from this passage that the gospel is about teaching us how to wholeheartedly receive and two, that this passage, or the gospel I should say, is about how we wholeheartedly should give. How we should wholeheartedly learn to receive, that's the purpose of the gospel, and how we learn through the gospel, uh, how we are to wholeheartedly give of ourselves. Now, in the larger context, this is the last night of uh, Jesus' uh, ministry uh, to his people. And, and you can see in his love, he's loving his disciples to the end. He's about to suffer. He's about to die. And he's not thinking primarily of himself. He's thinking about the care uh, and the concern of, of his disciples, of those whom he loves. And that's just like our Jesus. He's always concerned and caring for us. And so I want to note here Jesus' condescension. And we want to understand that the whole passage is a, a picture of Jesus' condescension or him humbling himself in order to serve sinners. If you notice, even the way the passage is framed in verse 4 and, and, and verse um, uh, uh, 12, uh, we're told that Jesus rose up from the head of the table where he was sitting as master and Lord, as teacher. He rose up from the table to bow down. He rose up from the table to uh, kneel and to serve. 
we see at the end of the passage in verse 12 that he resumes his position. And so we want to see that in Jesus' condescension, it is a picture here of his service. It's a bigger picture of his entire ministry of humiliation. This is Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the triune God. This is Jesus who was equal with the Father and the Son, who was equal in glory and dignity and power and deity. This is God in the flesh. This is the one who had the exalted place at God's right hand and who rose up because of the need of sinners, who rose up from His throne, from His glory, from His basking in the Father's love from all eternity to condescend and to kneel down and to come into this world of sin and misery, into this world as a humiliated, humbled servant slave. And at the end of the passage, He resumes His position. At the end of the passage, he resumes his position. He shows that from beginning to end, he's in control of this entire salvation mission. And that although he rises up from his position to kneel down and to serve, he will go back to the place that he deserves at the right hand of the Father. And that's his confidence. Look uh, at how he says it. He's about to go to death, but verse 3, he says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands. He's so confident in the Father's Word and in the Father's love that, that He had come from God and He was going back to God. As He prays in John 17, that Jesus prays that, that He would have the glory that He had with the Father before the world began. And so there's a picture here of Jesus' uh, humiliation, His condescension down to sinners to serve, to save, not to be served, but to serve and to save and to rescue and redeem lost sinners who are in sin and to go back, to go back to the position He left originally. This is all part of His plan. But the particular condescension that we see in Jesus here is he's cleaning the disciples' filthy feet. Now, in this ancient culture, feet were pretty filthy. They wore sandals a lot of times, and there wasn't only the dirt and the dust and the grime. Well, they hadn't mastered sanitation problems and sewer problems, and there were all kinds of uh, animals running around the street. So these feet were not just dusty feet. They were filthy feet with all kinds of mm, uh, things we don't want to talk about all over their feet. And so this is a real kneeling down to clean them. And so in Jesus' condescension, He's the master. He's the teacher. He's at the head of the table. He can stay there if He wants to. He says that later. I'm the master. I'm the teacher. This is where I belong. But He kneels. He takes His knee. He bows it. He puts His towel over His leg. And He washes the filthy feet of His disciples to show them that He loves them. To show them that He cares for them. And you would understand in this context that as they were preparing for this 
Passover meal, as they were preparing for this last meal with Jesus, it, it appears that someone forgot to get the house slave. Somebody set the table, somebody had everything laid out and prepared, but someone forgot to get the house slave. It was very common when you're joining together to eat to have someone who would be there on call, ready and willing and able to serve by washing feet. It was to show common hospitality. And you can imagine the room as they're eating and someone perhaps realizes, uh-oh, we forgot the slave. Who's going to fill those shoes? Oh, no. They look around, perhaps, wondering. I wonder who's going to fill those shoes. Who's going to wash our feet? We've got to have that. That's part of this custom. And our Lord and Savior, the glorious Lord and Savior, condescends and says, this is my calling tonight. I'm going to bow to you filthy sinners, you filthy beaded people who the outward filthiness is not as bad as the inner filthiness and impurity and sinfulness of your hearts. So the first thing I want you to notice is his condescension. The second thing is his, I said compassion. I didn't say that fully, so let me say it. Compassion um, in his cleansing. His compassion in his cleansing. Jesus realizes as he's cleaning the feet that they're not going to fully understand this. Uh, he tells them, you'll, you'll get it later. But this is a picture of his taking him his own life, laying down his own life and giving up his own life for the sins of his people to serve them, to sacrifice, to show selfless love. And that in this act of compassion, he's going to cleanse them, but not merely outwardly. Because the cross to which he heads, the cross that he's headed for, is a cross where he will shed his precious blood uh, he, the lamb who was pure and without spot or wrinkle, he who was perfect will shed his precious blood to cleanse away our sins, to make us pure in heart, to make us those who can enter into the holy presence of Almighty God. And so this cleansing was, was to be understood as a, a once and for all cleansing because he would go to the cross on behalf of those whom he loved and he would lay down his life as a once and for all sacrifice. And the wrath of God Almighty would be poured out on God the Son. That God the Father Almighty loved His people so that He sent God the Son Almighty to lay down and take the wrath of God upon Himself so that we'd be clean, so that we'd be pure from the heart, so that we'd be acceptable as those clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be cleansed of all our transgressions and our sins against God and our words and our thoughts and our deeds. And that's what he's showing is he's showing condescending mercy, his condescension. He's showing his compassion through cleansing. None of them deserve it. And this is our Jesus. Behold your Jesus, that our Jesus not only bows to serve and clean, representing the inner cleansing of their consciences and their hearts and making them pure before God, but he also 
cleans the feet of the one who will betray him, the one who he knows will betray him and who hates him and who will go off into the night to betray the Lord Jesus, the Son of God Almighty, with clean feet. And so in his condescending mercies, in his condescension here, he shows us uh, the love of God for sinners. He shows us that there is hope for every person who knows that they're unacceptable by nature in the presence of God, who knows that there's no hope for salvation that apart from in themselves, that the only hope for salvation is found in Christ alone. And he shows through his compassion and cleansing that we can be clean. People of God, the guilt you feel at times, the conscience that, that tells you, that cries at times you're guilty, the devil that cries you're guilty, the law that cries you're guilty. All of the things we hear about guilty in the Lord Jesus, we're clean now and forever by his precious blood so that there's no guilty. You're not guilty. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. The one who can condemn is at God's right hand and he's praying for you. He continues to care for his own world without end. Amen and amen. But there's two things I want us to notice and take home with us at, uh, more particularly about how to live. The first is how the gospel teaches us to receive. Notice when Jesus is in this manner of condescension and when he's showing his compassion through cleansing, he goes up to Peter and Peter says, no, Lord. And the emphasis, if you look down where he says it in uh, 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 verse six, when Jesus came to Simon Peter as this servant, he says, Lord, do you wash my feet? In the original language, this is emphasized that you, Lord, wash me. You, Lord, wash me. No. No. And Jesus says very tenderly to Peter, you're going to understand this later. You're going to understand this, Peter, when you're standing under the cross and you see the silhouette in the darkness of me crying out, being forsaken by God because I love you so much that you must be served by me in this way. You must allow me to serve you. He says, if I don't wash you, verse 8, he said, Peter says again in response, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. Now, people of God, let's think about this for a second. Uh, um, Peter can imagine a throne with Jesus. Okay. He's argued with the rest of them and the best of them about who's the greatest. Even when Jesus tells of his death, he's arguing with the rest and the best of them about <clears throat> who do you like the best, Jesus? Hmm? Am I doing the best? What we find here is that Peter's fine with Jesus with him. He's fine as Jesus as teacher. What he's not all right with, what he can't do is receive grace wholeheartedly. He can't see Jesus bowed down before him as a servant slave. He can't see his Lord and Master. He can't receive wholly from Jesus. And the gospel teaches his that if we're ever going to learn how to serve, we have to first learn how to wholeheartedly receive His grace. 
Because the way that Jesus responds to Peter is if I don't cleanse you, if you don't let me serve you, if you don't let this be my act of grace for you, you have nothing to do with me. Now, people of God, we're like that too. Um, you know, give me Jesus as an assistant in my salvation. You know, let me work with Jesus. Let me put the emphasis on the fact he's my friend. Let me put an overemphasis on that. Let, let me, let me uh, think of Jesus as, as, as someone who's going to give me a throne and give me gifts, but, 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 but it's hard for me to receive everything from you, O Lord. Everything. What Peter's having to learn here is what we have to learn, people of God, if we're going to understand the glory of Jesus in this condescending manner, if we're going to understand him in his condescension. And that is that we're needy and that the only thing we have is empty hands to receive Jesus as servant as he goes to die for us. As he's gone to live for us, as he's gone to die for us, we dare not say, no, Lord, let me add this to what you've done. That's how we work by nature. We are those who just cannot receive. And that's the first thing that we want to learn here is the gospel teaches us to be receptive, to cry out, Lord Jesus, I, I need everything clean. I need everything you have to offer. I am undeserving. Now you think about how you do it and how I do it, okay? Somebody gives you a gift and what do you say? Thank you. I'm a needy, un undeserving sinner. That's how you respond, right? No, we tend to respond, thank you, but you didn't have to do that. You shouldn't have. What does that mean? In the world of grace, in the world of this economy of grace, in the world of Jesus, that seems to imply a few things. It seems to imply, one, that, oh my, by you giving me my gift, I'm now indebted to you. Or, oh my, if I receive this from you, then I have to admit I'm needy and dependent upon you. See, we, we don't like gifts sometimes. We don't know how to receive grace. And, and Jesus is telling Peter, you have to receive everything from me. And then he goes on to say, you have to receive it not only once and for all, you have to go back and, and, and have your feet cleaned every day. He, he, he says in, in, in verse 10 uh, or verse 9, uh, Peter says, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my feet. He understands he needs all of Christ. He needs all that Christ has to give. He's going to be a needy sinner. He's going to be a needy, needy person who is going to receive by grace alone. And so he wants everything clean now. And Jesus said, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean and you are clean. And there's two things I want you to notice here is that Jesus is saying there is a once and for all cleansing where we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and it's all of grace and we are all needy as recipients of that grace. There is nothing we deserve. There is nothing that we can contribute or add to it. And the second thing Jesus is saying is that you don't need this complete washing again, but you need your feet clean. You need to come back daily. You need to come back moment by moment. You need to come back to me constantly repenting of your self, self-trust and your self-reliance. 
and tell me daily that you're a needy sinner in need of my grace again and again and again. Sure, you're washed once and for all in the sense of being justified and sanctified. But you need continual, moment by moment, daily repentance. You're going to have to continue to be a needy sinner. See, people of God, the way we do it is we treat Jesus like an ATM machine of grace. Now, come on, be honest with me. I'm not trying to be hard on you. But think about it for a moment. Jesus, I need some grace. Thank you very much. All right. I've got it. Give me enough grace that I don't have to be reliant on you. Okay? Anybody else see that? Okay. Am I the only one? Huh? No. So you take the... You got, got it? Oh, I can't be a good parent. Give me, oh, give me grace. Okay, thanks, Jesus. I got it now. Make me a good preacher. Nope. No, thanks. Got it. Nope. Give me, make me a good friend. Nope. Got it. Make me a good Christian. Don't need you now. Thank you. He's saying, no, you are going to have to admit daily that you're in need. If you don't learn to receive, you'll never know how to give. And so he's saying, receive it all from me. Recognize you daily need it, that you're constantly needy. And then the second thing is the gospel teaches us not only to learn to receive, the gospel teaches us to learn to go and give. And that's what Jesus is teaching. He wants to come and first confront our hard-heartedness and hard-headedness uh, with un being unwilling to receive everything from him. And then he wants us to imitate him because we have found all the grace that we'll ever need. Everything we need for life and godliness. Isn't that very good news? And so that's when he says, notice, do you understand what I have done to you? And he says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. And so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as, just as I have done to you. And so that makes that first step of saying, forgive me tonight, Lord Jesus, for being self-reliant. Forgive me for my deep, deep neediness that I don't like to admit. I accept your forgiveness and your grace again. And now, Lord Jesus, help me. Help me to go out and wash feet. Help me to go out and show this wholehearted giving of myself because you've given everything for me. Because I know that I didn't deserve anything. See, people of God, if we go out giving and serving um, with that kind of uh, mentality of, 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 of thinking we deserve something, then, then, then we're thinking also when we're serving oftentimes in a functional manner, we're thinking that we're gaining something. That is, that we're doing something that will gain us a better standing in the presence of the Lord God. You see, our, our attitude is, I didn't, I didn't need you to do that for me. You know, thank you very much, but you shouldn't have. I'm not needy. I'm a servant. You see the pride? It hides. I don't need you, but thanks anyway for the gift, because I'm a servant. You see, it's, it's subtle. But it's when we say, thank you for that gift, Thank you, thank you, thank you. I am a needy servant and I, I am someone who is dependent upon you. I'm dependent upon God and I'm dependent upon you. And I want you to think about this tonight when you're leaving. You're dependent upon every blood-bought Christian. You're dependent. 
And then out of that dependency upon God's grace, you go and you serve just as Jesus has served. You go out of that and you say, my Lord and my teacher showed me condescending grace. He showed me this great and deep compassion in his cleansing me. And I'm so needy and desperate that I need more of Jesus and I'm going to go serve him because I love him. He tells us, as I've given you, verse 15, I've, I've given you an example that you should do just as, that is just as, that is just as, that is just as I have done to you. No more self-reliance. No more. No more. No more self-serving. No more selfishness. And when you see those things, go back to Jesus and see you're needy and receive all of the grace that you'll ever possibly need to go and do what he's called you to do. We're his servants. We've been saved by grace, undeserving grace, all because of Jesus's love and merit. He's our master. He's our teacher. He's our Lord. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. If he has condescended to such a level to wash the filthy feet of sinners and to show us not merely to wash the feet, but to go the way of the cross, to lay down his life as a common thief and slave on the cross, to die for our sins, to give up his life for our salvation, then recognize that great grace that's been bestowed upon you and go forth and show that same grace in giving up your life for Jesus. Tell him you're needy. Tell him you can't do it. Tell him you can't do it sometimes. And listen, people of God, don't just go to those who are nice back and will wash your feet back. Part of your neediness in realizing you need more grace and is realizing you just can't wash Jesus, Judas's feet very well. He said, just as I have done. That includes everybody in the room. That includes the one you're the furthest from. That includes the one you know has betrayed you. That, has, that includes the one who has done you wrong. You serve them. Just as I have done. Go and serve them. It's not about who deserves it or who doesn't. We're breaking that way of thinking. Remember with the first point. <laughs> right? Are we? Is that what we're here for? That's what we're here for. The, the Spirit of God will break that. So that we can then go and serve. And look at the blessing. Jesus is this kind of Savior, isn't he? That he goes with a blessing for us. He says in verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you who do them. Sometimes we're going to be called to, uh, to serve those that are, in our estimation, unservable. We're going to be called to love those who are, in our estimation, unlovable. But does that mean something? Huh. If we dare to say that others are unlovable and unservable, huh, I think we just fell back into neediness, didn't we? Because we just made an estimation of someone else's worth based on what we think we deserve. Watch your heart. Watch your heart. Let the grace of the Lord Jesus penetrate your heart so that all of us, and this is a very convicting message for me too, but that all of us would go serving because we've learned how to receive everything from Jesus. We've learned how to admit that we're needy and we'll go and serve no matter who it is, even our Judases. 
And so Jesus sends us off tonight, people of God, as crucified. Those who've died with him. When Jesus bids a man come and follow him, he bids us to come and die. We must lose our lives and follow him. And he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let's embrace our neediness. Let's embrace the fact that we're undeserving and we need more and more grace each day. And then out of that wonderful, lavish love and kindness of our Savior, as it penetrates deeper in our heart, let's go out and serve Him. Serve, serve, serve. Loving one another selflessly. And even serving our Judases. Let's pray and ask God to help us, okay? Because we're needy, right? Our Father and our God, <clears throat> we do pray that you'd help us. We thank you that Almighty Son of God, the Son of Man, came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for us. He loved his people to the end, and he will love us continuously for all eternity. We thank you that we will dwell in the presence of God and we'll behold the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world and we will glory in Him. And we thank you that He is the Lamb of God. He is worthy of our praise and our glory. And, and Father, we pray that now tonight with hearts that are, are humbled before you, we ask that you'd help us to admit our neediness, to learn through the gospel to receive, to not say no, Jesus, to not say no to our brothers who want to give to us, but to say, yes, I am needy and I need Jesus and I need you and give us more grace. We're thankful your Bible says in James 4, God gives more grace. We're taught that God, you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. And we admit, honestly, we're needy. Our hearts, while we have a right standing in Jesus by faith alone, we know that also we're clothed in his righteousness. We also know that our hearts they go astray if we're not watching them. Help us, Lord, and help us daily turn to you and say, Lord, I need you not just as an ATM machine, but as a personal relationship where we walk with you and talk with you and get to know you. And Father, then help us to go serve in your strength. Help us to go be merciful. Help us to die so that you might be glorified. Let us live for you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.